I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Let me encourage you to find your place in Acts chapter number 5. Acts chapter 5, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. I'm still in a series of messages that I'm entitled, Living with Biblical Clarity. If there's one thing we need in this culture that we're living in today is biblical clarity. We need to know what the Word of God says, how does the Word of God, how does that relate to us, and then how can I flesh out that truth every day living a life for Jesus Christ? Because we want the world to see Jesus in us, and we want Jesus working through us, and in order to do so, then we've got to be reading God's Word to get it in us, if that's going to happen. And so we've been looking through this book of Acts before the pandemic started, and then last week we picked it up again, and we talked about Ananias and Sapphira, and God had uh, punished them for one reason only, lying to him. They lied to God. That's the reason why God punished them. Now remember, the Word of God had not been completed. Uh, there needed to be a standard. The standard was the apostles, and the Holy Spirit was resting upon the apostles, giving them authority. And so they were doing many signs and wonders before the people. And by doing so, people's attentions were grabbed, and it was through the grabbing of their attention that they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many, many, many people were coming to know Christ as Savior. So much so, scholars say, Josh, that there were 20,000 individuals that had received Christ and were a part of the first church at this particular moment in time. That's a lot of people for this, just the, the church just being born. And so you had these new babes in Jesus Christ that needed clear, simple, pointed, prominent biblical teaching. And so when God corrected someone through the apostles, it was very dramatic and very drastic. In this case, in regards to lying to God and lying to the Holy Spirit, they died. And so it's not unusual when you look at verse number 12, look at what the Bible says. And uh, through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Why? Well, because they had the people's attention. And the reason they had their attention, look at verse number 11. Go back up to verse 11. The Bible says, so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. When they heard Ananias and Sapphira had lied to God and that God had killed them for lying, they had their attention they feared God. Now remember last week we talked about a reverential fear. What is that? And we said that it's not that God would put his hand on you to hurt you, but that he would take his hand off you and not use you. And God took his hand off Ananias and Sapphira. They're not being used anymore of God. The Bible also says, now that we have the completed word of God, which, by the way, Peter said is a more sure word of prophecy. It's a more sure word of prophecy. So Peter says that there is, if you would, or John, John actually said it, there is a sickness unto death. There's a sickness unto chastisement, and there's a sickness to the glory of God. If you're a born-again child of God, and your heart's right with Jesus Christ, and you're sick, it may not be that sickness is because of sin. It may be a sickness to the glory of God. God may be wanting to use that sickness that you are encountering to bring Him glory, honor, and praise. And by the way, let me just say this, dear Christian friend. If you're listening to this today and you're suffering from a disease that is to the glory of God, and it's hard, like cancer, like leukemia, uh, like many other things, COVID-19, what if these things transpire and take place in your life and God allows that to happen in a Christian's life? To, for God's glory, God is wanting to glorify His great name quite possibly through how you respond 
to what God allows to come into your life. This is why the biblical gospel is so vitally important. Because we're living in a culture today, and you've heard me talk about this before, where the prosperity gospel is gaining great momentum. But there's another gospel out there today that's gaining momentum that we need to know about. And it is called the social gospel. The social gospel is gaining such tremendous momentum that both of these movements that's happening, both are classified as a move of God. This morning, I want to answer this question. How do you recognize a true move of God? Because in the culture that we're living in today, listen to this statement. Being spiritual and being Christian are not the same thing. You, you can be spiritual and not be a Christian. You can be a part of this prosperity gospel and not be a Christian. You can be a part of this social gospel and not be a Christian. I'm, a, I'm amazed at what I'm reading and what I'm hearing proclaimed by these so-called preachers that stand behind these tables or, or uh, they don't stand behind anything. I mean, they just, boom, there, there it is without even a Bible in their hand. And they make proclamations and they demonstrate these proclamations through culture. And they say things. Let me just give you three things they say. Here's one of the things they say. Man is not so bad and God is not so mad. And they'll throw that thing up on a television screen and they'll say, oh, look at that. And people will, oh, that, that's a fresh rhema. That, that comes straight from heaven. That just got... No. That ought to raise a red flag. You mean to tell me there's a man up there pointing to a television screen and on that screen says man's not so bad and God's not so mad. While that feels good, it's not biblically true. This belief system is blaming sin and that that sin ought to be contributed to the societal structures rather than human nature. The word of God says, brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 3 verse 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a personal responsibility. The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, and, and, and all the way through the book of Romans, for whereas by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You see, there's a personal responsibility that you and I have when it comes to standing before a holy and righteous God. And to think that we can somehow be good enough to achieve that, that heavenly state by which Jesus Christ is calling us to is something of an enigma in my mind. And knowing that we can't achieve that, man has come alongside and said, well, man's not so bad, God's not so mad. Here's another thing they say, number two. Listen to this one. Cultural restoration of the gospel should be our primary goal. Cultural restoration of the gospel should be our primary goal. This teaches that the gospel was centered on cultural involvement. And that the, 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 if people transformed the culture, then only then would God be revealed and more people would come to know Christ as Savior. L listen to me, that is a very dangerous position. And it's dangerous from the perspective that this gospel is not just culturally centered. We ought to be involved in culture, but just changing the culture is not going to make this culture accept Jesus Christ. We may be a more moral country. We may be a more moral society. 
But you can be as moral as the Pope and still go to hell. Maybe the Pope was a bad example. You can be as moral as Mother Teresa and still die and go to hell. You can't go to heaven on morality. I don't care how you change the culture. And if anybody wants to be engaged in the culture, it's me. Man, I, I am wanting us to be involved in the culture. I want you to run for, uh, for offices. I want to see Christians that have backbones, that believe the Word of God, and that will stand on principles, especially the Judeo-Christian principles on which we were founded, and get us back to God. I want us to be involved in that. But if we negate the gospel, if we leave out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it'll be to null. We'll fall right in line with all the liberals out there and say, well, let's cover up the cross. Let's cover up the, 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 the monuments to Abraham or the Ten Commandments. Let's hide all these things behind curtains so people can't see. And the next thing you know, it's just like the children of Israel. There's a generation that does not know God. And so why in the world do we get all up in the air because we don't know God? And then all of a sudden on Facebook it pops up that Netflix has got this show on called Cuties with little girls shaking their booties and pedophiles running all over the place. And now we're indignant. indignant. We should have been indignant 10 years ago. I'm going to tell you what, we ought to be indignant come November, bless God. You're, listen, if you're not registered to vote, we're about to roll this out. We're going to roll out again, Judy. If you're not registered, you can see Judy. She'll get you registered. It's, it's important. But what's more important than that is presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a third one. Man, I'm telling you, I'm stirred up today. Y'all pray for the preacher. I don't know. I'm going to run out of time already. Here's the third. I'm just, this is the introduction. Listen to this third one. This is what the social gospel presents, okay? The, the prosperity gospel says, come to Jesus, all your cares will be taken care of. You'll be rich. You're going to be good. You don't have any problems. Oh, it's going to be so sweet. The social gospel says, the death of Jesus Christ is not that important. This teaches regarding Christ's payment for the full penalty of sins of mankind through his substitutionary death on the cross. They say that it is irrelevant and should be... Listen, this is what the social gospel says. It's irrelevant and the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ should be viewed by you and I as, cos as a form of cosmic child abuse. You can't make this stuff up, man. I'm telling the truth. They're writing books about it, And people are flocking to this. And if you, if, you, if you go that route and it's cosmic child abuse, then here's what they say. God didn't really, there's no hell. Ain't no hell. God's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. They take the justice of God and arrest it and put it in a prison and never let it out. Not only is much of this vice unhelpful, it's dangerous. It's unbiblical. It's deadly. It will send you to hell. And unless we understand, we could be confused in being duped into this area and falling for, God help us not to fall for this stuff, that we might take a stand on the boldness of Jesus Christ. And, and here's where I'm getting at. You can't, listen, you ask somebody, are you a follower of Jesus? Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. You ask a social gospel person, they follow Jesus. You ask a, 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 a progressive, do they follow? They follow follow Jesus in regards to the prosperity gospel. They follow Jesus. It can't be just do you follow Jesus. We're going to have to start asking, which Jesus do you follow? 
Because if you follow the social Jesus, you're lost, dying, and going to hell. The death of Christ is not that important. If, you're pro- if you follow prosperity Jesus, then the only reason you got saved is because you want God to give you something. There's not seeing yourself through the eyes of a holy and righteous God and seeing that there's nothing I can do to save myself. I'm dying. I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell. I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. And lest I repent and come to him, I will die in my sins. And I will go to hell. Not because he's a mean God, but because he's a just God. His justice is far more important in regards to this issue of love. He is a just God. He provided through the love a way for you to come to Christ as Savior, a way to escape hell. And to think that an unbalanced God that doesn't balance justice and mercy, what kind of God is that? And so we look and we see the social gospel moving. We look and see the progressive gospel moving. But I'm going to tell you what. There's a movement that's happening across the land. Where we're seeing a true move of God take place in such a fashion. Where lost people are being saved. They're wanting to be baptized. They're coming to Jesus Christ knowing that they may suffer for their faith. And the church of Jesus Christ is growing Far beyond we've ever imagined. So the question is, how do you recognize that? How do you recognize a true move of God? Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. It's rather lengthy. It starts in verse 12, goes all the way to verse 42. Let's read it together, and I want you to see if you can't pick out five things. There are five things here in this text that help us to recognize a true move of God. So Ananias and Sapphira are dead. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders are done done among the people. Verse number 12 in the latter part says, And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Let me say something parenthetically right there. Porches are in the Bible. Can I get a witness right there? That's one thing I'm missing on my home. I'm missing a porch. I don't got a front porch anymore. I had one at my previous previous, uh, house. I I don't have one on this porch. I'm I'm praying about where I might could put a porch. Why? Because they're biblical. I got a stoop. I don't see a stoop anywhere in scriptures, Judy. They're not standing on Solomon's stoop. They stand on Solomon's porch. Look at what the Bible says in verse 13. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on their beds and couches. And just at the least, that the shadow of Peter passing by might fall Uh, On some of them, again, let me say parenthetically, remember the word of God is not complete. We don't have the completed word of God. These signs and wonders are being exercised through the apostles so that people might know that Jesus is who he says he is and he's working through them. And the apostles are not taking credit for this. Paul's not saying believe on me and be saved. He's saying believe on Jesus and be saved. Verse 16, and the multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Then the high priest rose up, and all those that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Let me say something parenthetically here. They're Sadducees. You remember this. This is a sect of the Pharisees. It's the liberal sect of the Pharisees. And they are sad because they do not believe in the resurrection. The Sadducees, that's how you remember it. I don't know. That's just what we were taught. Look at what the scripture says. And they were filled with indignation. I guess so. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. 
But at night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those of them which came and called the council together, which all the elders of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought to them. Verse 22. And, but, excuse me, but when the officials came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Verse 24. Now, when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest, here are these, here's these three ungodly trinity here, here they are, they heard these things. They wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom were put in the prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain went off with the officers, and they brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you to teach in this name, not to teach in this name? And look, you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood on us. I love this next phrase. Anytime you see the conjunction, but followed by Peter, something is about to happen. Something's about to happen. Look at what Peter says. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging him on a tree. Whom God has exalted by the right hand of the prince of the Savior, uh, the, by the prince, by prince and Savior, and to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins, and we are His witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to those who obey Him. And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, uh, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the uh, apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, uh, not to the apostles, but to the council, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. What you intend to do regarding these men, for some time ago Thedius rose up, claiming to be somebody, a number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered, and it came to nothing. After this, after this, a man named Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, and he drew many people away with him. He also perished. And all who obeyed him then dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and leave them alone. Let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men... It will come to nothing. But if it's of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. And when they had called forth the apostles and beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Can you imagine being a part of the first century church and experiencing this? Uh, my goodness, the reverence of God had, felt, had fallen on Solomon's porch. Uh, Peter and the apostles are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and people are being saved. 
then all of a sudden the religious people of the day get all worked up and stirred up because people are being healed. I mean, you got folks that are crippled. They're starting to have strength again. Those that were sick with illnesses, they're starting to be healed. All happening on Solomon's porch. There's more going on on the porch than there is going on in the house. And then all of a sudden, the religious leaders are so upset because nobody's wanting to come listen to uh, all these laws being read and all these things being said of the law. They said, you know what? They're, they're the ones that are at fault. They're messing up our religion. Get them and, 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 and let's throw them in jail. And after that, they finally say, okay, now let's get back to, to, back to business and start opening church again or to the temple again and come, people start coming in. The only thing is that morning that angel done showed up and unlocked the door. Now what's fascinating to me is that when the angel unlocked this door, nobody saw the angel but the apostles. The guards didn't. Can you imagine? They're standing there. Not a one time after the angel got them out of the prison did one of those guards go, I wonder what they're doing. It sure is quiet in there. Not a one time. So much so that the next day after the angel told them to go back to Solomon's porch, see... God didn't call those apostles to hide. He called them to proclaim. So they got out of prison not to go hide. They got out of prison back to go back to the porch. And so they got back to the porch and they started proclaiming Jesus again. And they're preaching. You ever heard that story, the, that little cliche, the early bird gets the worm? Well, I'm telling you what, they're getting the worms. I'm telling you what, lost people are coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And the Bible says when the high priest heard it, he lost his noodle. He was so mad. The Bible, he was furious, indignant, the scripture says. He wanted to kill them right then. He wanted to stone them right then. But the Bible says that he didn't. Why? Because remember how many people are in the church. And if, if they stoned Peter and the apostles right then, 20,000 people, it is not, they would destroy the temple. And so he says, do it real reverently. <laughs> and so I can imagine them going up, putting their arms around Peter, going, hey, can we buy you lunch? Can you come right this way for me? Just We want to buy you lunch. Come on this way. And they get them in the presence of the council, and the council says, Didn't we tell you not to do this? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Because we're going to obey God, not you. And all of a sudden, this holy boldness is upon Peter and the apostles, something by which we have never seen. So much so that it gets the attention of the oldest man in the room, a man by the name of Gamiel, and he says, uh, excuse me, gentlemen, can y'all just leave just a minute? Can y'all just let them go outside just a second? I need to have a conversation with these eggheads here. They come out, and he says, look, let me give you two examples, Gamiel says. Remember, remember, when Thaddeus rose up and carried all those people with him, when he died, it all fizzled out. Remember when Judas came and he wrote, again, during the census, all these people were drawn to him. When he died, it all fizzled out. Listen, guys, we killed Jesus. Leave it alone, it'll fizzle out. If it doesn't fizzle out, it's a move of God. And who do you want to fight? Do you want to fight God? You don't want to fight God. Now remember, this is the most liberal sect of the Pharisees that just said this. And then the Bible says that these men took counsel and they said, okay, fine, we'll do it his way. And in doing it his way, 
They beat the disciples. And upon beating them with their backs bleeding, the, the disciples get let go and they're rejoicing, praising God that they're suffered with Jesus. And the Bible says that they didn't stop there. They continued to preach the gospel. Now that is a move of God. And there are five things I want to show you real quick. Excuse me. Let me I'm going to give you six. And I'm going to go quick. I promise. Here we go. Number one. A true move of God will get the attention of many people. You want to know what a true move of God will? It'll get the attention of many people. And you look in verses 12 through 18, there are a lot of people that apostles have their attention. And it's focused on God and the gospel. We see the loss there. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says that all these people on Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. This is the scriptural way of saying that not only was the church gathering and people being saved and people being healed, but there, was a pe there were people that were off the porch, that were gathering around off the porch. And the Bible says they did not dare get involved. They didn't join them, but they were listening. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, but the people esteemed them highly. Listen to me very carefully. When God moves in a mighty way, it gets the attention of everyone. It's better than E.F. Hutton. How many of you remember E.F. Hutton? All the old people. Good night. How many don't have a clue who E.F. Hutton is? All the young people. My goodness. E.F. Hutton, you had a commercial that said, when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. You remember that? I don't know why I remember it, but I ever do. I guess that means I'm old. Anyway, the true move of God will get the attention of lost people. There are people, watch this, that are watching today. You're watching because you're curious. You're watching this, this program. You're watching this message. And you're like, I wonder what this guy's all about. He's one of them spitters. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to see what he has to say. A true move of God will not only get lost people, will get religious people. Look at what the scripture says in verse 17 and 18. The Bible says, when the, priest, when the high priest rose up and all those that were with him, that is the sects of Sadducees, they were all filled with indignation and wanted to lay their hands on them and put them in common prison. Not only... When the gospel is being preached and there's a move of God happening, does it get the attention of lost people? It gets the attention of religious people. And the religious people want to shut the mouths of the true biblical people. I'm going to be honest with you. Here at Maysville Baptist Church, we've had individuals that they try their best to keep my mouth shut. I've been told I need to be quiet. I've been told I need to shut up. I've been told I don't need to be involved in this. I've been told I don't, this week I was told I don't need to be involved in a presidential campaign. I want you to listen to me very carefully. You know what's wrong with our country today? It's because we've got, some, we've got some preachers with lace on their panties and they're not afraid to tell the truth. They're not afraid to say, God is going to judge us if we don't get our act together. I didn't know I was going to stomp that hard. I'm sorry. Just be glad you went in the previous service. I spit so far, I think I've gotten the spitting distance. It's good that we've moved this so far back. It really is. Let me give you a second one. Very quickly. I've got to hurry. A true move of God. Well, a true move of God provides a way to continue ministry. A true move of God provides a way to continue ministry. In verses 19 through 25, we simply see that God provided a way for ministry to continue. Because they were focused on Jesus, because they were focused on the gospel, God provided a way. Did you see his provision? Look at what the Bible says in verse number 19. The scripture says, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. God provides ways for his ministry to continue. 
Churches all over America today are shutting down. But just because they're shutting down, don't you dare think that the church is over. Those countries and communist countries and socialist countries where the church is shut down, the church has gone underground. And has flourished greater underground than it did when it was above ground. I'm absolutely amazed at how God provides a way for ministry to continue in regards to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The devil tried his best to shut this ministry down. But long before this pandemic ever hit, thanks be to God, we had somebody say, look, we need to get this gospel message around the world. And you agree, and we give regularly every week so that we can continue to proclaim the gospel all around the world via the internet. And whatever platform we can get onto, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a video, whether it be Facebook or or YouTube or whatever the case may be, we've got to get the message out. Why? Because God is making ways and providing opportunities for ministry to continue. You have your pens. I want you to underline something there in verse number 20. The angel said, go, stand in the temple, and speak to the people, here it is, all the words of this life. What did the angel mean when he said this life? He wasn't talking about the current cultural life. He was talking about here the heavenly life. He was speaking of the gospel. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter picked up on this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 11, when he said this. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the, with the strength God provides. So then all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. God always provides a way for ministry to continue. God's provided a way for this ministry to continue here at Maysville. During the pandemic... We may not have been able to congregate uh, in this room, but we were able to congregate around our televisions. Today, you're still, those of you that are uncomfortable and still uh, concerned and worried to get out, and rightly so, you've got a compromised immune system. You're in the hospital. You're somewhere other, on, on another part of the world, and you're watching, or somewhere other than, than this area. You, you, you can't get here. I understand that. But we're able to still come together and praise the name of Jesus and worship together for this hour that he might get the glory. God always provides a way of ministry to continue. Number three, a true move of God gives believers boldness that they never had. Look at what the Bible says in verse 26 through 33. In verse number 26, we find that the captain uh, went with the officials and he brought them without violence because they didn't want to uh, get killed. And when they had brought these apostles in and set them before the council, the high priest said, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And you intend to bring this man. You see the word man is capitalized. That's speaking of Jesus. You're trying to bring Jesus' blood on us. (laughs) Judy, that's exactly what he's trying to do. That's exactly. He's wanting Jesus' blood to cleanse the captain of the guards. That's exactly right. He hit the nail right on the head. And so we find here that in this, in this text, God is going to give Peter a boldness that he never had before. Do you remember who Peter was? Do you remember what Peter did? If you take your Bibles and you look over in Luke chapter 22, verse 54, that's the story of Peter's denial. 
Peter was not even willing to confess Jesus Christ to a little girl. I didn't know. And then another said, weren't you with him? Weren't you with Jesus? And Peter said, I don't know what you're talking about. And then that third one, the Bible tells us that Peter cussed. I don't know him. I don't know this Jesus. The Bible says the rooster crowed. And when the rooster crowed, the Bible says this. Jesus, Peter remembered the word that Jesus said to him. As Jesus caught Peter's eye, he was in the vicinity and was not willing to take a stand for Jesus. And the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. Why? Because he was a scared. He was scared. He was afraid. He didn't want to die. As a matter of fact, all the disciples that way. Mark chapter 14, verse 50 says, During Jesus' arrest, then everyone deserted him and fled. They all ran away. There's an Old Testament prophecy that says, strike the sheep, or strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. The sheep were scattered. As a matter of fact, they were so scared that when Jesus rose from the grave, John chapter 20, verse 19, the Bible says, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, verse number 19 of John chapter 20, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders... Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. I mean, they're scared to death. Don't open that door. If anybody knocks, don't open it. They pretend like the insurance. You remember when insurance salesmen used to come, come to the door? They pretend like they're insurance salesmen. Don't go to the door. Pretend like you, you ain't nobody home. Shh. And they're all cowed down and they're, they're scared. Jesus don't even knock. He walks right through the door and says, Peace be to you. And they're scared to death. What happened to Peter? Because look at what Peter says in the text in Luke, excuse me, in Acts chapter number 5, in verse number 29. The Bible says, but Peter and the apostles, the other apostles, answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you murdered by the hanging on a tree. God has exalted him at the right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him. You know what happened to Peter? He got full of the Holy Ghost. And being full of the Holy Ghost means this. You're going to proclaim the truth. And there's going to be a boldness that you've never had before. See, many of us are so timid and shy and afraid, we're scared to even open our mouths. But once we open our mouths, we find out that this culture, this world, they're looking for truth. And truth within its inward parts is that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Number four. Here's the fourth truth. A true move of God will not be stopped by man. In verses 34 through 39, Gamiel comes on the scene, the most prominent rabbi of his time. One that taught Saul himself. This prominent rabbi had a grandfather. And this grandfather was known, <clears throat> excuse me, as one of the most important rabbis that had ever lived. So much so that when Gamiel came, it fell upon him to be that individual. And he did, in this liberal sect, what they considered the best job they'd ever seen. As a matter of fact, when he died, 
They said, gone are the days of the law. And uh, 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 they used the term uh, purity. Gone are the days of purity in the law when he died. He was a man of reverence, a man of statue, a man of honor. A liberal man that said this. If this work is of men, it'll come to nothing. But if this is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest you be found to fight against God. This man, in his old age, in his great wisdom, yet still being a liberal, said, You need to leave them alone and see if this is a move of God or not. And had they would have taken the advice of this man, they would have been converted because Jesus would have proved himself to be Messiah. The Bible says in verse 40 that they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles, they made a decision. We're not going to kill them, but we are going to beat them because they can't say the things that they are saying. Which brings us to the fifth move of God. A true move of God will see persecution as an event to rejoice. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says that then they called the apostles and beat them. That word beat means that they whipped them viciously. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go so they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name brothers and sisters a true move of God will see persecution as an event to rejoice in the culture that we're living in with all the seriousness I can muster within my soul we are heading in this direction When you begin to remove statues and monuments of our past that remind us, some reminding us, of our most darkest sins, calling our attention to remember not ever to go back to that. The Jews said we don't ever want to touch the monuments of of the Third Reich. We never want to touch Hitler's stuff. We want... We want it all to stay there. Don't t- In fact, we'll buy it. We want to preserve it. We want to, we want to make sure it stays just like it is because we want our children's 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 children to see that it existed and it was an atrocity. It was horrible. When you begin to remove those things, it's only a matter of time before they start removing that. It's only a matter of time before they start picking up the phone and saying this, we want you to take down that steeple off off your church. Don't want that cross up there. Brothers and sisters, when they start removing the crosses and they start removing the things that remind us of the price that was paid for our sins, we move into a realm where we, like the children of Israel, will have a generation that knew not God. And as persecution sets in and the sun rises, will we rejoice that we are suffering for Jesus? 
or will we just cow down and let them take it? Peter was so moved by this that in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, he says this. He said, Dearly beloved, do not be surprised when fiery trials, when they come against you to test your faith. Don't look at it as something strange that's happened to you. But rejoice in so far much as you share in Christ's suffering. Lest a move of God happens to the capacity in our nation that we have a spiritual awakening, persecution will come to the United States. This is why it's so vitally important for you and I as born-again children of God not listen to words that tell us y'all don't need to be involved in politics. Y'all don't need to be involved in these things. No, listen to me very carefully. That's the problem. We're not involved. Brothers and sisters, there's some of you sitting out here listening to me that love Jesus with all your heart and you know God has called you to sit on a city council. God's called you to sit in places of authority. God's calling you to be righteous judges. God's calling you to be a lawyer that loves Jesus. Brothers and sisters, God's calling you to quite possibly be and run for the Senate, not cow down to those temptations that fall before every one of them. For those that will stand in the gap and proclaim the word of God and say, I will not be moved off my convictions. I work for the people. This is for the people. And for the people, we want a Judeo-Christian nation that fears God, that looks to God, that clearly understands. We're not saying that everybody has to be saved, but we're going to give everybody an opportunity to be saved. He says, so don't be surprised when they come after you. He says, rejoice. He's practicing what he's preaching here. Rejoicing. And then number six, and the final one, and I'm cl- I close here. A true move of God will not let the current situation stop the gospel proclamation. Look at what the Bible says in verse 42. The Bible says, and daily in the temple and in every house. Could I just say something right there parenthetically? They met in houses in first century church. We just started our in home groups, or we're about to start our in home groups again on the 13th. Maybe the Lord is setting this thing up for us to be more biblical in our Bible studies by meeting in homes so that when persecution comes, we're together. I'm just saying. Could be. He tells us here in the text, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus. As the Christ. A true move of God will not let the current situation stop the gospel proclamation. I think there's some things that we can do very practically to continue the gospel proclamation in our current situation. Number one is continue doing what you're doing, being faithful to the Lord, being faithful to tuning in, being faithful to be here at church if you feel comfortable coming to church. We're going we're gonna to do everything we can to be ready and keep everything sanitized. And, and uh, we're going to do our part. And so we're, we're thankful for that and grateful for that opportunity. Thank my staff for working hard on that. But there's other things we can do. So, somebody needs to develop a mask that's got the gospel on it. You know, We need, we need gospel masks. It's just an idea I had. Oh, you have some gospel masks. Well, we can be a better witness with our tracks. 
don't know who that was. That's the funniest one I've heard yet. Here he comes. Gospel tracks. <laughs> we can do some practical things, can't we? God, God's, giving, God's giving you a ministry. Mine's a gas station. A gas station ministry. Uh, it's kind of slowed down during COVID. People not traveling as much, but it's picking up. It's picking up. I've got a grocery store ministry. Uh, I've got the Walmart ministry. J- just, just because... Just because they're telling us to stay apart doesn't mean we're not a part of Jesus. We're not supposed to stay apart from him. It's okay to stand six feet apart and still tell somebody Jesus loves you. It's still okay to hand somebody a gospel track. It's still okay to tell somebody you're going to pray for them. It's still okay to witness to the waiter, waitress, or, or to those that you come in contact with. I had a dear, dear, dear meeting with one of our managers of our local estab- one of our local establishments here. I just I go into a lot of restaurants, and on this particular occasion, I I asked a question, and the lady said, "I don't have that answer, but let me get the manager." I said, "No, really, it's not that important." She said, "No, I insist." I said, "Well, okay." Well, the manager came out, and uh, of course, anytime you talk to them, they feel like something's wrong, you know. So he comes out defensive. What happened? You know, what was burned? I said, I, 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 number one, I want to tell you, I'm praying for you. Number two, I'm, I'm Shane. I'm the pastor at Mays. Well, I, I want to tell you you're doing a good job. To what capacity are you able to sit people? He said, well, well, roughly we're right at 50%. I said, if there's anything we can do as a church to help you, just let us know. He said, your church is very faithful in coming to this establishment. I said, it doesn't surprise me. Anybody want to guess where it was? Yeah, Cracker Barrel. (laughs) You're a witness. You're a witness. Keep doing it for Jesus. His demeanor changed and he reached in his pocket and he said, can I give you some things? He said, if you got anybody in your church that's looking for a job, will you please send them my way? I need some help. He said, thank you for being a part of this community. We can change this culture. But we don't change the culture just for culture's sake. We change the culture to point people to Jesus. So when we pray here and we dismiss, and we go out to our cars, some of us are going to go to Cracker Barrel. Some of us are going to go to other places. Wherever you go, let God, what God is doing in this place, moving in this place, let him move now out of this place into our community. And let's see a revival take place on this hillside that this world has never seen before. Would you join me as we pray? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Would you say something like this to the Lord? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Messiah. Today I ask you to save my soul. Thank you for saving me. I repent of my sin, and I trust you as Savior. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. I want you to look right up this way before I say amen. We're going to sing this little verse of Just As I Am. The altars are going to be open. Maybe you're here and you'd like to talk to a, a pastor. If you'll go right out these doors when we leave here in just a minute, there'll be a pastor in 256. Maybe you'd like to surrender for baptism. Please, I'll be in the greeting room. I'd love to say hello to you. Maybe you'd just like to come and pray. You can do that. 
But could we sing one verse of Just As I Am as the time's getting away from me quickly? Let's all stand. And let's let this be our response to Jesus. And may you carry him with you as you leave this place. In strength, in courage, knowing that God's moving in this place. Let's sing together. Just as I am without one plea. be careful as you exit this way. Wave at me when you go by if you don't come in. I'd love for you to come in. Just come on in. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our broadcast today. It is the purpose of Maysville Baptist Church to love God, love others, and serve the world. One of the ways that we serve the world is broadcasting this program all over the world through the internet. I want to tell you what a joy it is to have you tune in today. Maybe at the end of the service, you prayed and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Several years ago, I wrote a book entitled, My First Week. I would love to send you a copy of this book to help you on your brand new journey as being a born-again Christian. If you'll just reach out to me by our website, send me an email, uh, or maybe even call the church, I'd be glad to drop this in the mail and send it to you. May the Lord bless you for tuning in. I hope to see you next week, and thank you for being with us at
You. 